When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wednesday here on the North Shore Drive podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter joined by Ray Fittipaldo. We're going to go over some of Ray's draft analysis, including our new official big board that we've released from all the work we've done in the Steelers department at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. That and the recent cuts the Steelers have made all here on an action-packed episode of the North Shore Drive podcast. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato talking at you here. Uh, as always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Uh, like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast, as well as the daily content that comes from all of our sports writers. We just had on Je- uh, Jeff Hathorne joined uh, Brian Batko for Chip Hammond football on Tuesday. Go check that out in all the places you can get our podcast. And as always, our, our show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar, they have over 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are local. 80 of those local beers available on tap. It's the best place to go to when you're looking for a good brew in the Berg. All right. Uh, as you can see, we're in different situations. I'm in uh, an Airbnb on the road as I'm with Noah Hiles getting ready to cover Pitt versus Virginia for some Tuesday night ACC basketball. So ex- uh, pardon our dust as I'm a little, my surroundings are a little, you know, darker as far as the, uh, the lighting is working right now. Um, and uh, my sound might be a little bit different, but you know, we work with what we got on the road. There's plenty of times I've recorded with Ray while he's on the road. So it's a little bit of a, of a turnaround for us, but Ray, uh, wanted to ask you, you recently did an analysis piece for the PG talking about the misses that they've had that have kind of put them in the position that they are, the, that being Steelers uh, in recent years. What did, you, what did you see with the biggest culprit as far as the things that they have not been able to put together to have a more complete roster at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, with Chinks of Okorafor being released on Monday night, Chris, um, no one from the 2018 draft class remains. He was the last guy standing. And, um, you know, I know Mason Rudolph might resign, but he's not currently on the roster. He's set to explore um, free agency. So there's no one left from 18. There's one player left from 19. That's Deontay Johnson. And there's one mm-hmm. player left from 20. That's Alex Highsmith. Um, you know, so for a team that prides itself in drafting and developing players, you're not getting that retention rate um, that you would normally get, you know, when you're having success in the draft, you know, Terrell Edmonds, first round pick in 2018, 
um, they don't pick up the fifth year option. He he's here for five years, but they don't want to do business with him uh, long term. Devin Bush, obviously disastrous. So what happens there is you're forced to spend money in free agency to make up for those mistakes. Uh, Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander, all those guys were signed last year because you missed on Devin Bush. Um, the last couple of years, you got and signed Demonte Casey and Keon O'Neill in back-to-back years um, because you you didn't want to sign Edmonds to a second contract. So that's kind of the vicious cycle that they're in right now. Um, you know, Chris, when you count on free agency to fill your holes, I think there's an in inherent risk in that too because you don't know those players as intimately as you know the players that you develop so um they're in a bad cycle now they got to get out of it and uh listen omar Khan and andy weidel had a good first off season i think they're going to have to have a good second off season to uh sort of make up some ground here to you know to make up for, for some of those mistakes they do. And there's been other guys that they've brought in who have definitely been helpful, you know, whether later uh, or uh, later or even undrafted. You think about guys like Herbig in the fourth round last year. Connor Hayward's been a decent sixth round addition. Um, you know, Jalen Warren, an undrafted guy. But like you said, like they're, they're, like you look at the Chiefs and the way that they play. There's a lot of guys on the field that were contributing for them who were low round draft picks who just you know stuck around. And here's the other part of this is that oftentimes those players play better when they have better players around them kind of setting the tone. And like you think back to some of the Steelers offensive lines in the 2010s where they, they had Calvin Beecham, who was a seventh round pick or Villanueva, who was, you know, just a free agent pickup. Um, they were able to kind of be who they were. Ron Foster also undrafted because the Steelers had stalwart guys at center, at, at guard, uh, with Pouncey and DeCastro and even Gilbert for a time. So you had centerpieces on the offensive line that were able to help with that. I think the Steelers need more guys like that on all levels, you know, in the cornerback room, Joey Porter Jr., he could be one of those guys, but you need to figure out, will Corey Trice be the cornerback across from, or will you have to invest big to get to double up there? Uh, but I, I do think that there is an importance in making sure that you're hitting in, in at least some of your later round picks. It's it's natural to miss even most of your late round picks. That's just going to happen over time. It's just the, the odds of the NFL draft. But like you said, you're talking about several years now where, where those misses have stacked up and there hasn't been a, a big splash late round pick uh, that has really changed things around for the Steelers in recent years. Yeah, and listen, you, you look at, um, you know, Omar's first season, first offseason last year, um, really good draft. You just went over it. Uh, but they also had a record number of free agent signings, including guys like Isaac Sayamalu, um, Patrick Peterson and others to fill holes for guys who didn't work out, right? So Artie Burns doesn't work out. Okay, we got to draft Joey Porter. We got to go sign Patrick Peterson because that draft pick uh, didn't pan out. I mean, you can go back. I went back. I mean, the succession plan for Ben Roethlisberger, you look at the way the, the Green Bay Packers attacked it, you know, they drafted their guy. Mm -hmm. There were maybe some hard feelings there with Aaron Rodgers, but they're in much better position now to contend in the NFC than the Steelers are to contend in the AFC. So that set the Steelers back. You go out and sign Mitch Trubisky. You know, he he made four, over $14 million here, and he won two games. That's $7 million a win for, for Trubisky. Um, but there are others. You know, they, what was the succession plan for Heath Miller? Ladarius Green. Yeah, he, he got hurt, and then he never really played well. 
four-year, $20 million contract, Chris, he dressed mm-hmm. for six games. And I know they didn't pay him all of that, but, you know, there was a big signing bonus. No, I get the, you. In there, and there, there was one year of salary in there. But when you when you draft and you miss, you got to make up for it with keen signings and free agency. When you miss on both, that's when your roster kind of gets to the point where the Steelers are now. And they're still – a good football team because of guys like TJ Watt and, and others, they've, you know, they're, they're still contenders, so to speak, even though I don't know that they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're playoff contenders. Um, but they're, I don't want to say they're in a bad spot now, but they're in a tough spot now because of some of the misses that, uh, you know, transpired here in the final five years before Con took over SGM. Absolutely. It's going to be a challenge to try to, you know, try to fix some of the situations that have kind of developed for their for their for their roster right now. And that's also kind of part of, you know, what the Steelers have been going going through when they lost a lot of their 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 better players. You know, when you lost like, you know, two years or two seasons ago when you lost TJ Watt for a huge part of the time, you did you don't have they didn't have the depth behind him to address that. Now this year they did, you know, they had Marcus Gold and they had Nick Herbig, they had guys who could help. Uh, whenever T.J. Watt was either injured or you know just not you know teams were sick were so were, were double team double and triple teaming him and taking him out trying to take him out of the game uh, they had other answers there uh, but I, I agree with you they have to find other um, they have they have to find other other guys that that are going to fit those and I want to talk about some of those other guys as we have now completed our first edition of an interactive big board from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette where myself, Ray and Brian Batko put together our heads and we put to, and we put down our top 5 at each each of the different positions the Steelers are going to be looking at in the draft. We'll talk about some of those some of those prospects here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, stick with us. But first, I'll remind you this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you're going to Mike's Beer Bar, you're going there because they're right they're right in the North Shore. It's a beautiful part of town and also you get to try one of their 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area 80 those local beers are available on tap and they're always switching new ones in and out so you'll never run out of new experiences when you go to mike's beer bar plus they have over 20 televisions so whatever sporting event that you want to watch while there they're going to be able to get on the tube you can even reserve ahead of time a tv and a table so that you and your friends can enjoy whatever sporting event that you want to watch also they have amazing food like their steak on a stone where you can get your choice cut of steak brought to you on a heated on a heated stone and as each time you cut off a piece of that steak press it into that stone and you choose how well done you want every bite of steak it's the best bar in all of pittsburgh go to mike's beer bar today and when you get there tell them chris sent you We're back here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato. Again, apologies for any audio or video quality issues on my end. I'm on the road here on an Airbnb in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, as we get ready to take on CT Pitt, take on uh, uh, Virginia for some ACC basketball. But uh, Ray, we released our first our first ever interactive big board for the for the PG, where you, me, and Brian, we put our heads together. We split up the different. <laughs> position groups to tackle i think ryan kind of went skill players on offense you went offense and defensive line and then i went uh linebackers and and secondary and, and punters uh for the, for this draft class but i want to focus on where you you, you know we're, we're, we're the one position that i think everyone's going to be talking about the most this year and that's going to be center you had you had your centers ranked jackson powers johnson then zach frazier uh of west virginia grant barton of duke Cedric Van Pran of Georgia, and then Bo Limmer of uh, of Arkansas. So 
you know, uh, you know, I think that the, you look at these names and these are all recognizable. Graham Barton, uh, you know, an interesting different kind of player because he played a lot of tackle and, uh, you know, can probably switch to, to center here. But to me, when I look at this, Jackson Powers Johnson and Zach Frazier, the two like most dominant centers in this group. What is the risk the Steelers run if they don't take uh, one of these guys in the first round and try to hope that he's there for their second round pick of not getting them yeah. and maybe having to settle for someone else? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fairly big risk. I don't know if they view it as a risk because they might feel like this is a really deep group of centers and they they might feel like they can, um, you know, the third or the fourth ranked center might be just as you know good. So we don't have a great feel for, you know, what they're thinking right now. But, you know, I saw a recent mock draft where I think the Jaguars pick at 17 or 18, Chris, and uh, they had uh, Jackson Powers Johnson going to the Jaguars before the Steelers mm-hmm. – even get the pick at number 20. And we all know if you wait till pick number 51, where the Steelers sit in the second round, uh, you're also taking your chances on Zach Frazier not being there. Um, At one point before we didn't have any clarity on his injury, I thought, oh, maybe that'll push him down the draft boards. But he was out there at the senior bowl. He was doing a little bit of work. Word is he's going to do some stuff at the combine. Um, Mm. You know, um, you know, so he seems like he's ahead of schedule with that leg injury. Um, doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue for him as far as OTAs or training camp goes. So um, that's a plus for him, but I don't know it's a plus if it's a plus for the Steelers who pick at 51. I think, you know, somebody else might jump on him uh, before they do in the second round. That that That's where I think it could be really tricky is that, the Steelers might be in a position where if they if they want to fix the center position in the draft this year, they might have to make an aggressive play to either make sure they get Jackson Powers Johnson in the first, or if they don't, you have to find. I think you have to find a way to get Zach Frazier uh, because listen, I think Grant Burton, you know, he could work out, but how many times have they taken an offensive lineman who they've hoped to convert now to another another spot on the line? Uh, whether it was Kevin Dotson flipping from one guard to the other, whether it was Kendrick Green flipping from guard to center, or Dan Moore Jr., they want him to play right tackle, but he can't flip out of it, so he sticks at left tackle. So that kind of forces Broderick Jones to go from left tackle to right tackle. It just seems like that's become you know an issue with the Steelers recently. And, and to me, one way that you can kind of solve it at one position is making sure you get a guy that you have no doubt is your stalwart center of the future. Yeah, I mean, listen – if Zach Frazier didn't get injured um, in November, he might have pushed uh, Jackson Powers Johnson for, for that mm. top, top center spot. I mean, Powers Johnson has the, um, you know, he's fortunate to be able to play in the senior bowl. And he played so well the first two days that uh, he shut it down after his minor hamstring injury. And he's like, I'm good. I know I'm the best center in the draft. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sit on that here until, um, until draft day, Frazier didn't have that luxury. Um, you know, he he was there. He went through the interviews and all that stuff, but he couldn't show what he can do on the field. And he does, he's not going to get that do that at the combine either. You know, they they don't. It's it's football and shorts at the combine. It's it's workouts. It's not going up against the other best seniors in the country like Powers Johnson got to do. So I mean. Um, I don't see Powers Johnson getting knocked off, you know, his perch as the top center. But I do think if Frazier didn't have that unfortunate injury that, uh, you know, you could have like one A and one one B there, um, you know, going into this draft. 
Absolutely. Let's take another look at, uh, at at one of the spots that you evaluated on the offensive line, and that was offensive tackle. Um, I, you know, you kind of took away some of the some of some of the top guys out there that uh, you know that, that that could be picked. I think like the uh, um, oh no, you know, you had you had their guys the, some of these guys in here. So you kind of you kind of went beyond above and beyond with the ten with ten players on your, on your big board. You had J.C. Latham at number at number one here. Can you break down between Latham, Mims? <laughs> Um, Alton, Fashano, you're, those are guys in your top five. Which of those seem like the more reasonable that the Steelers might be able to actually target? Because tackle is one of those big prospect positions that people will spend big on. Yeah, so the idea for this Post-Gazette big board is we want it to fit what the Steelers need. And J.C. Latham might be the best overall offensive lineman in this draft. Um, it's a powerful run blocker. He's really good in pass protection. I don't see a lot of holes in his game. And to make it better for the Steelers, he's a right tackle. So mm. if you're going to move Broderick Jones to left tackle, you bring in Latham to play right tackle, and that solves a lot of your problems. And you got two bookends for the next decade if those guys um, stay healthy. So that was my thinking with having Latham um, number one on my board. Number one, I think he might be there. I know this is a great year for offensive linemen, so you never know where these guys are going to come off the board. But – you know, you think about um, Joe Alt, you also you, – you always see him in the top ten. And, yeah. you know, for Sean, who, you know, kind of like, what, top ten, top eight, top 12, that, that sort of range. You know, Latham, see him anywhere from like 13 to 18 to 20, you know, he could slip there. And if he slips, I would be very tempted to take him over Powers Johnson if it was between those two. I, I think that guy – is that good when I watch him? So that was kind of my thinking there. I know we, you know, I, I went over all the other tackles and how they fit, but I think ideally um, for the Steelers, I think if, if Latham is there, it'd be an excellent pick. So Latham in that class, in the class of guys like Alt and Fashanu, who were, if they fall far enough that you think the Steelers should take him. If yeah. the, if it's if it's Jackson Powers Johnson versus say Amarius Mims of Georgia or Talais Fuaga of Oregon State, because those yeah. are two other guys that you have in the top. Are those guys also who you take over over center, or are they kind of is that more of a even an even split there with their talents? Yeah, I just I, I just have such a high opinion of Latham that I, I kind of put him above those guys. So I mean, okay. you know, you know Powers Johnson or you know the the kid from Oregon State or you know the others Mims that you mentioned. Um, you know, Mims, I don't want to call it issues, but he doesn't have a ton of ex playing experience, right? Very so that's, um, You know, that's something that you would have to get comfortable with, um, I guess. So what you're going to see here, you know, we're going to talk about it for the next two months. Um, if you're the Steelers and you're sitting at 20, you know, we've heard talk about eight offensive tackles going in the first round. If the top four or five off are off the board, do you go for number six? I mean, that number six, or do you go for the number one center? I mean, it, it's a healthy debate. Um, you know, it, certain teams in the league value tackles more than centers. I mean, the Steelers haven't been afraid to use high picks on centers. They you know, they did it with, with Marquise Pouncey more than a decade ago. I thought that worked out well. But, you know, I, I think it's just something that, um, you know, we're going to have to pay attention here to here in, in the coming weeks and months. Um uh, I don't know if it's going to come down to that. They might surprise us all and take a corner or defensive lineman, but um, you know that could be something on draft night that's worth monitoring. 
Absolutely. It will be something worth monitoring and we'll be monitoring it uh, to move forward. And you're right. That's always a debate every year. You know, you, do you take, you know, the first, you know, player at such at one position versus the sixth player at another, if you think that that player is, is maybe even better on, you know, in talent and on your big board. And I think that's where the tricky, the trickiness of the draft comes is when we're all evaluating, we all have who we think, like, do you think Jason Latham's the top tackle, you know, the Steelers could think that, or they could think another player. And that's where, that's where all this stuff becomes very interesting. Like if you think back, you know, Creed Humphrey was the 14th offensive lineman taken in his draft class year. And now he's you know one of the best centers in football um, and, and, a, and a two-time Super Bowl champion. So, um, you know, there's, there's certain challenges with that, that you're going to, that we're going to look and see like, you know, which one, which guys are worth it, but either way, we will keep you up to date with all of that. And one way to keep track of our rankings of different positions are, is going in and looking at our Steelers draft, uh, draft big board, uh, for the Pittsburgh post-gazette. You can find that on our website, post-gazette.com. Uh, we've all put, you know, posted it and linked it on our Twitter profiles as well. So do check that out to see all of our position rankings because uh, Brian and I also chipped in with a lot of the a lot of the players there. So we have a lot more to evaluate. But the Steelers also made some cuts and one extension of a coach. We'll talk about that on the other side here of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, we'll be right with Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette breaking things down. All right, Ray, so the Steelers made some moves. Granted, these weren't surprising moves. These were moves that you and I talked about uh, saying that this was a uh, – th- th- these were, these things were probably coming. They let go Chooksakora for. They let go Presley Harvin and Mitch Trubisky, all three guys who, you know, underperformed weren't you know weren't playing up to the to the money that they were that they were uh, that they were pay, being paid or would be paid for this next season um what was your reaction just to seeing this done now at this point at this part of the year because you know sometimes it's always a question when are they going to start making those moves it seems like this was the first of what might be a few more moves to clear yeah. out salary cap space I uh, wasn't surprised at all with the players I was surprised with the timing but again Chris it, uh, it's a new regime and they're going to do things differently than than Kevin Colbert did. You know, Kevin Colbert would wait until maybe a week before free agency before he made his cuts, um, and now they're doing it a month before. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the reason is for that, but that's that, that's how they want to do business. Um, I've heard it said that you know they'll get a jump on free agency, but can't negotiate contracts until um, you know until that three day period before the new league year starts. So. Um, you know, no surprise at all. We all knew a core four was gone once he lost his job to Jones. Um, and same thing with Trubisky. He fell to number three on the depth chart. They weren't going to have him back. Um, you know, Harvin now, you know, you're going to have what? Two new punters in there at OTAs. I'm guessing it'll be uh, some sort of a free agent signing in March. And then whether it's a draft pick or an undrafted free agent, um, you know, come draft time. So you're going to have two new punters in there. A little bit surprised they just didn't have him, you know, punted off with somebody in training camp again this year. But I guess they saw all they needed to see, you know, within the last three years. And they said, let's just let's just get on with it uh, in February. You yeah. Know? You know what? The funny thing about that, Ray, is like, you know, it, it would it would make sense. Right. To the to the average person being like, yeah, just it, it, it doesn't cost you much. He's a seventh round rookie on his rookie deal. Like, just bring him back. But Presley Harvin has now fooled, fooled I think, a bunch of people twice where he's come in, done well in preseason, done well in training camp. And then even like like last year, 
game two for the Steelers, game like two through five, he was punting well and was like, maybe he fixed it. Then the rest of the year came and he was back to being Presley Harvey the third. And I think that's what the Steelers are like. Listen, we're getting off this roller, this merry-go-round. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to get getting up. We're going to take a, a new chance at it. And you know, and it, it, not that's no slight against Presley Harvin for the for the effort that he that he's tried. It just he didn't work out. It wasn't good. You got to yeah. you got to move on as an organization. Um, but the the other thing that, that that we look at this is that with these moves, what are the next moves that you think are going to accompany these cuts? Because these are the obvious ones. Yeah. But then there aren't obvious ones. There's some people you know they they might have strong feelings towards well they got to cut Mason Cole and they got to or they got to cut Patrick Peterson and other guys that would free up a considerable amount of salary cap space. What are the next moves you, you that you see coming or you're waiting to see what direction they go? Well, a Alan Robinson is automatic. Well, I, I, sorry, he's another automatic. You're yeah, right. I don't know why that didn't go down on Monday, but to me that's the next easiest one, so to speak. That'll be another, I think, $10 million in cap space that they'll free up. Um, but you mentioned the other two, Patrick Peterson, Mason Cole, and, of course, Cam Hayward. He's not um, – I don't think they're going to cut him, but there's that whole song and dance that has to take place with him and negotiating that cap hit down, however they do that, whether it's just a whole new contract where he takes a pay cut or maybe they extend him and, you know, spread out that cap hit. Um, however that gets done, that's also going to free up a lot of money. So, you know, once Robinson gets done, they'll be, they'll be in the red, you know, they'll be, um, you know, positive on, on the cap sheet. And then they can continue to, uh, you know, free up money as free agency approaches here. So um, Peterson's do a big roster bonus. Um, I think three million or four million. Um, you know, I know we talked about this right after the season, Chris, but I think his days as an outside corner are over. Yeah. I think his best fit in the secondary is as a free safety and not a strong safety. And you have Mika Fitzpatrick. I, I don't know how you allocate almost 10 million in a cap hit to have him on your roster. So yeah, it's tough. For me, that's for me, that's a no-brainer, but I don't know how the Steelers are going to approach that or you know what their thinking is on that. No, I agree. That is that is that is a tough, a tough look there. And, and listen, with approximately you know what they what they've done so far with you know with just looking at the cuts that the cuts that they've made, um they you know like you said they're just shy of being officially under the cap. But if they were to cut uh, uh, you know, Allen Robinson today, that would put you, know, that would put them in, in the clear there. And I think that would put them around somewhere around having $6.7 million of cap space, but that's not nearly enough to sign who you need to sign. And, and so, you know, for the, for this off season, I think, like you said, they, they might need another outside corner to pair with Joey Porter Jr. Even if they think they're getting a good one in the draft or that Corey Trice comes back, I think they need to make sure that they at least have some guy out there because they don't have Levi Wallace anymore. Not that Levi Wallace was some shutdown corner, but he was a veteran body who you could throw out there. And they don't even have that right now. Who's a proven guy who knows the Steelers defense and, and can work that. Um, so if you added say a Patrick Peterson, and a Mason Cole to that to that list that gets you to about according to overthecap.com about 18.3 million dollars of cap space with Robinson, Accor, for Peterson, Trubisky, and Cole and Harvin all let go from the Steelers. But 18.3 million dollars goes really fast in free agency and in re-signing players that, that that you that you needed to bring back. Uh, granted, they don't have a ton of those this year because they've kind of handled that uh, that that part already. 
What is the is is there a number that you think the Steelers need to get to to be in a comfortable place for this uh, free agency period to have enough space to sign guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can get to 35 or 50 million easily. And uh, we didn't even talk about restructures yet where they'll give right. they'll give money up front to some of their their vets that are, that are on solid contracts that, you know, guys like TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, guys they know they're going to pay that money anyway. They'll just, just give them that money up front and then they'll get the cap relief here, um, you know, this year. And Minka would, would fit that bill as well. Although I think Minka might have already restructured. Um, so, you know, I, I think they could easily get the 35 or 40 million. Chris, I, I know there are teams that have a hundred million in cash space. They're, the Steelers aren't going to do that. They don't need to do that. They've never been big spenders in free agency. Um, Omar and Andy want to build through the draft, but they do have to fill in some holes. It's unfortunate. They, they are in a position where they do have to spend money in free agency to, to fill some of the holes that are on their roster. They're going to have to do that. Again, this year, I don't think they're going to sign a record number of free agents like they did last year, but they are going to have to sign a few, um, you know, to make up for some of those past mistakes. Yeah, I think they're going to have to make some sort of moves there. I think outside corner safety, uh, you know, you know, maybe linebacker if they're not comfortable with the injuries that uh, were sustained at that position this past year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked about on this show, the, the potential of Larry Ogunjobi, you know, as much as, you know, he's a veteran, that guy's going to be a $13 million cap hit the, uh, next, next season. You need more than from, from a guy that's getting paid that much than what you got this past year. Um, so there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered that we'll keep an eye on as the Steelers uh, move toward free agency about a month away now from when that kicks off. But the last thing we wanted to talk about was they did extend coach running back coach Eddie Faulkner who stepped in as an offensive coordinator uh, along with Mike Sullivan at the end of last season Ray what do you what do you think that Eddie Faulkner has done to kind of earn this extension to stick with the Steelers what have you seen from him that has boosted the Steelers staff yeah I think he's a good football coach and just because he wasn't promoted to offensive coordinator doesn't detract from from what he is as, as a running backs coach um, so I, you know, I, I think he's a guy who, um, his career is on the upswing and I think it's a positive sign that Arthur Smith got to know him over the last week or two. And he said, yeah, you know, stay on board. We'll, we'll make it work. I want to work with you. So that always happens when, when a new coordinator comes in, sometimes they'll bring in his own guys, like, like Smith did. He made three or four hires of his own, but there was also holdovers that uh, the head coach likes and Mike Tomlin likes Eddie Faulkner and Arthur Smith agrees that he's a good coach. So, um, you know, I think something is still brewing similarly with Mike Sullivan. I think he's going to come back in some way. I think they're still working through that. So we'll see if that happens as well. But uh, yeah, I think he's a good football coach. And I I think, um, you know, Arthur Smith made a, made, made a smart move by retaining him on his staff. I think it, I think it is a smart move too. Eddie Faulkner has done both a good job, I think, with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and what they've been able to do at running back. And like I think Mike Tomlin said when you know when they when they made him like, you know, the offensive coordinators as far as the guy that sets the room, he, he's he's great at organi- organizing the offense and getting everyone on the same page. When you have a guy like that on your on your staff, you keep them around because that you need 
leaders in your coaching staff to kind of make sure that that tone that tone is set. And it always helps having more guys on the staff who can support the head coach and the coordinators at, at, at those spots by being other leaders who can say, hey, this is the plan this week. Let's stick to it. Let's 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 attack it this way. Um, so I, I do think I'm right with you. I think Eddie Faulkner is a, is a good decision to keep around. Who else might they keep around? We'll keep you updated with that here and a lot more on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato. Read all of our written work at post-gazette.com, including our first interactive NFL draft big board where we've ranked uh, all, all the different positions and, and give you breakdowns on who those players are and how they fit the Steelers' needs. We'll be back Friday with more here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.